due to a technical difficulty, um, part of the teaching today was cut off. Um, so the teaching begins a little bit into um, our talk, and uh, the part that's missing is essentially the introduction, where I talk about um, our series, where we're trying to flip the script on uh, behave, believe, belong, and then go into the introduction. We're looking at a passage in Mark 2, where Jesus' disciples are walking through a grain field and picking grains, and um, uh, the Pharisees call them out for it because they're uh, breaking one of God's rules, um, which is to observe the Sabbath. And um, if you want more detail than that, uh, just let me know at joe at centralcity.co, and I'll send you the manuscript. But the teaching picks up from there, where we talk about what it means to really uh, behave and Jesus' plan for changing our behavior. Hope you enjoy. Teacher, based on what they expect of their students. And so back when I was a, a, just a, a, a part-time youth pastor, I was uh, finding ways to um, feed myself, similar to disciples, I guess. And uh, so I, I thought I'd be a substitute teacher. And uh, well, I, I didn't really end up becoming one, but I did apply and, and I, was, I was given one opportunity. Now, I was, I was fresh out of college, and I was only four years removed from high school, and I was kind of like sick of class and school, so I don't know why I was going to go be a substitute teacher other than I needed some money. And so um, on this one particular day, I was filling in for this class, and um, uh, there wasn't any assignments. It was just kind of like a study hall, so I was really just a study hall monitor, and I'm like, things you should know about me is I really like people. I, like, I want people to like me. I do, and it's a flaw, not a, not a strength, but uh, so I you know, want these like middle school kids to like me. So I just let them do pretty much whatever they wanted as long as they weren't too loud. So the office didn't, because I wanted the office to like me too, you know? So I'm like trying to find that balance. And uh, so I, I let them do whatever they want. And so are there, are, are there any teachers in the room by chance? Uh, just a few, just a few. So imagine teachers that you walk in and you're watching me um, uh, substitute teach your class. And uh, my students are you know, their phones are out, and they're talking, and they're taking photos, and they're, instead of doing what they're supposed to be doing, would you be frustrated? Can you, can you imagine? Now, this is what the Pharisees are really getting at. They're watching, and they ask, like, who is this Jesus who allows his disciples to behave so disrespectfully by disobeying the rules? Because you can learn a lot about a rabbi based on what they expect of their disciples. And the Pharisees expected their disciples, because the Pharisees had disciples too. They expected their disciples to observe all of the stipulations around the Sabbath. And they had strict rules for their disciples. And they mapped out perfectly what it meant to behave. And if you didn't behave correctly, you couldn't be their disciple. But Jesus, on the other hand, he was letting his disciples just pick grain like they were working in the fields on a Sabbath. You've got to be kidding me face value, it almost feels like Jesus uh, wasn't making his disciples follow the rules. And that's a big deal, if you think about it. That's dangerous water. So we've been talking about how the disciples were invited to belong first and then learn to believe, and in the context of that, they learned to behave. And it appears as far as keeping the rules go, they weren't learning how to behave. So this is our dilemma. Sabbath or no Sabbath? Do we have to follow the rules or not? Which is really a bigger question. As a disciple of Jesus, do we need to follow the rules? And if so, which ones? And if not all of them, how do we determine which ones? 
Well, I want to try to answer that question by looking at this particular rule regarding the Sabbath and then more closely at the nature and function of rules and law um, in the life of Jesus. So to do that, we're going to jump actually back to the Old Testament. So the Sabbath, this idea of taking a day off and living differently, was around since the time of Moses. But throughout the history of uh, Judaism, um, the, they, they observed it at different levels. But near the Old Testament, near the end of the Old Testament, the people began to really struggle. They were wondering why God felt so distant, and they feared that they um, maybe had upset God or angered God. And so they soon decided that one of the reasons why they felt kind of abandoned by God was the fact that they weren't observing the Sabbath. They didn't come up with this idea on their own. This is what their prophets told them. So they, the prophets talk about the Sabbath a lot, and one of the places is in Jeremiah 17, 27. It says this. It says, but if you do not obey me to keep the Sabbath day holy by not carrying any load as you come through the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, listen to what he says, if you don't do that, keep it holy, then I will kindle an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem that will consume her, her fortresses. Okay, so this is, this is what the prophet Jeremiah is saying. He says, if you don't keep the Sabbath holy, I will literally burn this city down. If you, if you ever wondered why the Pharisees took the Sabbath so seriously, it was because they were told to by Scripture. I used to pastor a very traditional church. It was my first church. It was the same church I was a youth pastor at. And in this church, it was customary for pastors to wear robes. And if you didn't wear a robe, you should have a suit and tie on. And you should definitely never preach in jeans. And I got along with this congregation very well. In fact, one time, this gentleman, before the service, chewed me out for a half hour about it. And I'd like to say he did it nicely. He didn't. But I always wondered, like, why does it matter? Who, like, where does this come from? At seminary one time, I was talking to a historian, and she was talking about these sermon manuscripts that she's collected, and historians just collect all of this data. And what she found was there's entire sermons of a particular generation that talked about what you wore in worship. Like, you wonder, why did people care about this so much? It's because someone told them to. Like, someone made a really big deal. And that's what's happening here. The Pharisees cared about it because somewhere along the line in the Old Testament, it was, they said, no, you, you need to take this very seriously. Don't even carry a load through the gate on the Sabbath or I'm going to burn the whole city down. And so this was a big deal. Because according to scripture, it was a big deal. And they were meant to take it seriously. So they started to observe the Sabbath really seriously. This is how serious it got in their community. It's about 150 years before Jesus came, um, what we call intertestamental period. This is a little bit of history for you, but um, hopefully it's not too boring. Um, there was a, the Maccabean revolt, and it's connected with Hanukkah and all that sort of stuff if you're familiar with Jewish history. Well, there was this revolt, and so Maccabean army was at war with other armies, and they were taking the Sabbath so seriously that at one point, the soldiers refused to work on the Sabbath, which meant defend themselves, and a bunch of them were killed. Because if you're an enemy, and you know, you're, you're, you know you're, your enemy isn't going to like, fight back on a particular day, like that's the day you attack. That's just no, that's a no-brainer. And so that's what we did. And so... so Maccabees decides, well, maybe we should change that stipulation a little bit. And this is what he says in 1 Maccabees 2.41. And they determined in that day, saying, whoever shall come up against us to fight on the Sabbath, we will fight against them, and we will not all die as our brethren were slain in the secret places. Like, there's like, okay, you, 
Soldiers, you're allowed to fight on the Sabbath. But that's how serious it was. Like, you didn't even fight on the Sabbath because it was considered work. So if this was God's rule, we needed to keep it. And the, one of the religious rulers' jobs was to make sure that people did keep it. There were rules, and those rules came with consequences, and those consequences were dire. And so to make sure that no one broke God's rule, and this is what we often do, to make sure no one breaks the big rule, we create all of these other smaller rules to make it even more difficult, all these other stipulations. So think about it like this. Um, uh, Alyssa and I used to live out in the middle of nowhere, and just across the street from the middle of nowhere is a uh, pasture with cows, as often is the case in the middle of nowhere. And we used to love to walk our dog, uh, Stella, out there. So here's uh, uh, Stella, um, and uh, she is, you know, was always convinced she could take the cow, and I, I was tempted many days to let her try but I didn't because I'm pretty sure that's an electric fence that's surrounding the thing. Um, so the Old Testament law was designed to be an electric fence of sorts. It was meant to keep us from straying too far from God's pasture. The, the Apostle Paul understood this when he talks about the law being a tutor or a mentor or, or showing us where we are wrong and pointing out the places where we've gone too far. The rule of the law was to meant to show us, you know, that, that there are, you can stray too far from God. And so that we built in these ways to deal with people who tend to wander. So if you stray too far, you know, you get shocked. That was the idea. And, and I think this is actually a really healthy way to understand the law. God's laws keep us from going too far from God. Just think about the Ten Commandments. Number six says this, you shall not murder. So most people get angry. Most people even hate other people from time to time. We all have struggles and conflicts in relationships. But if you go as far to kill someone, you've gone too far. Like, right? That, like, that is a clear boundary. And, or number seven says this, you should not commit adultery. So it starts with flirting and, and it grows over time. And there's often this a lot of little decisions that leads to uh, cheating on your spouse. But when that happens, this is, it's a shock, like an electric fence. And as I've sat with couples who've had to work through uh, betrayal in the relationship, it's, it's deeply painful. It's worse than an electric fence. But it's all, you know, but you have all these other decisions that go towards it. And before Jesus came, there wasn't a simple or clear way to get people back over the fence. God's forgiveness for times when we crossed those boundaries. And so it was just easier for everyone to just stay in the pasture. <laughs> Don't wander. So this is what the religious rulers did to protect everyone from disobeying God's law. They added additional fences closer in to keep people from getting too close to that electric fence like this. So here's um, God's community. Um, and uh, to the left side of this field. And uh, you have here this fence, and that represents uh, God's law. And if you go, you know, too far, you get shocked. Um, so to protect people from getting close to the electric fence, they would create all these additional rules. And we still do this. All these additional stipulations just to make sure people aren't getting too close to breaking, to going too far. Which makes sense. The best way to avoid adultery is to keep your distance from any relationship that might become adulterous. And the same with murder and the same with stealing and lying. And they did this with the Sabbath as well. They created all kinds of rules to make sure that no one broke the Sabbath. Here's one of my favorite examples. In the Old Testament, one of the ideas of the Sabbath is that you would 
that you would stay in your home and that you wouldn't leave. And so they had to decide what counted as leaving, like how far could you walk and still be at home. So they came up with a number. It's 2,000 cubits, which is about 1,000 yards or about a half a mile. So as long as you were within 1,000 uh, yards or a half mile of your house, you hadn't left home. So that means you could walk around your property and stuff. Well, here's the funny thing. People find ways to get around rules. So there was this other rule, what constitutes as a home? Well, this is what constitutes as a home. If you have a day's worth of food stored up, then that's a home. So people with wealth, and this is a whole other commentary on how people with wealth get around rules, but I won't get into it. But people with wealth could then just store up every half mile another day's worth of food, and they could travel freely between them without breaking any rules and still keeping the Sabbath. In other words, in a desire to get people to stop breaking rules, they set up these additional fences as safety nets. But people just find ways around them. Isn't that the case? The more rules we come up with, the more creative we become in breaking them. And, and friends, this just really highlights the bigger problem here. You see, the real problem isn't the fences we put up to protect us from breaking God's rules. The real problem is that those fences do absolutely nothing to change the direction we're headed. It does nothing to fix the fact that we as people tend to drift from God's community. See, the real problem isn't the fence. It's the direction we're headed. And fences do a great job of keeping us from straying too far, but they do nothing to change our direction. They, they keep us from wandering too far, but they don't change the fact that even in the freedom that we have with the laws and the rules and all that they permit, we find ourselves and we find our heart wandering. But if we can start heading in the right direction, if, if God can change our hearts, then maybe we won't need those safety nets anymore. And I think this is why Jesus isn't interested in, in just coming up with additional rules to legislate our behavior. He's more concerned with the direction people are headed, the intent of the heart. More than anything, this was one of Jesus's primary teachings. Think about it. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you have heard it said, do not murder. It's one of the Ten Commandments. In other words, you have heard it said, if you murder, then you have gone too far. Even people who don't know the Ten Commandments know that murder is too far, that you shouldn't do it. You've crossed the line. But Jesus said this. He didn't leave it there. He says, you have heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to the same judgment as murder. You think murderers are in trouble? So are people who get angry. That's me. In other words, one step away from God is too much. It's the wrong direction. Jesus also said on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. In other words, we know, everyone knows, that when you cheat on someone you've made a covenant with, it's, it's heartbreaking. And there's always healing just like with all of this, but it's just, it's, you've gone too far. Everyone, you don't have to be a Christian to understand that. But Jesus didn't leave it there. He said that, do not, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that even if you look at someone lustfully, you've already committed adultery with them in your heart. So you think people who commit adultery are bad? Well, if you've ever lusted after someone, you're no better. That's me. In other words, 
one step in the direction away from God is too far. And I think Jesus was far more concerned with the direction we tend to drift than with the fences that might keep us from drifting too far. So Jesus let his disciples pick, you know, grain on the Sabbath because those silly stipulations weren't changing their hearts at all. Because I don't think Jesus wants to add rules on top of rules on top of rules for us to follow. What Jesus is concerned about is our heart. And fences don't change our hearts. But this is what does. One summer I was, had the opportunity to um, uh, serve in Montana and one Saturday we went out with some ranchers. These are like just big, burly rancher guys, played electric guitar and ran their parents' ranch. And their names were Courtney and Casey, which I always thought was funny. Um, and super great guys. But we go out on their parents' ranch, which in my mind, coming from Ohio, like their parents' ranch would be like a national park here. Like it's that big and it's that beautiful. And so we're going through and it's all kinds of fenced off areas. And we're driving through lots of them. And one of the fenced off areas were a bunch of horses they were holding for uh, some neighbors. So we pull up, you can just imagine it like a Marlboro commercial or something. And we're pull up in this big pickup truck. I'm sitting in the back. The driver gets out of the pickup truck and, and the horses are down. There's a valley and the horses are sitting up on the other side. And he gets out in the back of the truck and he takes two feed buckets and starts hammering them together. Guess what the horses did? This whole herd of horses just comes down. I mean, you, I was in a movie. It was awesome. And they're, they're, they're running, and all of a sudden, before I know it, I'm completely surrounded by these horses on this plain in Montana because the banging of the feed buckets meant there was food. It was an invitation, and it was drawing them closer. See, fences will keep us from straying too far, but the right invitation can change our direction. The right invitation will help us draw closer. And that's what Jesus is more interested in. Think about even just the Sabbath, letting him work on the Sabbath. And just a mere couple chapters later, Jesus offers an invitation to his disciples. You can read it in Mark chapter uh, 6. It says, Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. This is the Pharisee's method for obeying God's law. Come up with rule after rule after rule and then give people a really hard time if they break them and call them out and, you know what I'm saying? This is, but this, this is Jesus' method for obeying the law. He says, hey, disciples, here's an idea. Why don't we go rest for a while? Invitation. Friends, if we want to live differently as followers of Jesus, we don't need to come up with more rules and put that on to people. What we need to do is, is offer creative invitations. What, is it, what does it mean to live differently? And, and not just live, one of the ways we live differently is not by ourselves. It's like, no, come with me and we'll figure this out. And so Jesus is constantly doing that. He's inviting them into a new way of life. He's inviting them to love their enemies. He's inviting them to forgive those who wrong them. He's inviting them to take time for rest. He's inviting them to change the world. And he continually invites them. And it's that kind of invitation that changes our direction. So you can learn a lot about a teacher based on what they expect of their students. And Jesus isn't concerned with silly rules or pushing them onto other people. They're good and they'll stay there and they're important, but more than anything, Jesus expects us to spend every day accepting an invitation from him. And the fences will stay up, you know, for those seasons where we're not paying attention and we go a little too far 
But more than worrying about them, let's focus on our attention on who is calling, who's inviting. Let's turn around and begin to move closer to God. There's, there's so much power in an invitation. I'm personally humbled that God would ever invite me to follow and be with him. That's powerful. And I'm humbled to be able to just walk in the footsteps of Jesus and I don't get it right and I mess it up all the time and I'm, friends, I'm, oh, geez, I'm so far from perfect. But I'm trying. Every day I try to wake up and I say, okay, here I am. And I say every day I try to do that because a lot of days I don't. I go out on my own and I do my own thing and I, even as a pastor, I forget that I'm even supposed to involve God in this thing. Can you believe that? We all do it. We all struggle with this. But constantly, God is inviting and calling us. So I wonder if there isn't someone here, even today, who's drifted pretty close to the fence. In fact, I, I bet, I know there's people here who crossed it. And maybe you're living on the other side. See, the, this is the problem with fences. They do a great job of keeping us inside, but as soon as we've hopped them, boy, it feels like we can never get back in. Because it's easier to get over them that way when we're trying to escape, but then once we come back, we see them, and we think, oh man, I'm, that place isn't for me anymore. I've already, I've already, I live on the outside. I can't get back in. And so we, we just assume that there's no room for us, that we're too far gone. Because fences are great for keeping things in, but they're really terrible for letting people in. Which is why if you find yourself on the other side today, if you've made mistakes, if you've hurt people, if you've hurt yourself, if you've messed up, if you've screwed up, one of the things Jesus says about him is that Jesus is the gate. He's more than willing to open the gate and let you back in. I mean, Jesus has made a way. He's died and rose again for people who break the law so that they don't have to pay the penalty of the law anymore. And, and if we're honest, we've all crossed the line. We're, we're all fallen short of the glory of God. That's how scripture talks about it. And yet Jesus is still inviting us. Yet while we were still sinners, he's still calling us and still loves us. And so if you're living on the other side of the fence, I hope you can hear right now, hear this. You can come back. You can come. And if you think you're too far from God, you're not. God loves you. And we love you, regardless of where you are. And Jesus not only invites you back home, but Scripture teaches us, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago, Scripture teaches that Jesus is the kind of shepherd who leaves the 99 fenced in the pen to go after the one who's escaped. That's how much Jesus wants to bring you back. He wants you to come home, and he's waiting and longing. So my invitation today is, what if we were to go away to a quiet place? The true intent of the Sabbath, stop our working, stop our trying, stop our, our coming up with ways to figure it out on our own, and just quiet ourselves, even right now, so that we can hear the invitation that God is offering us. An invitation that's probably unique to you. An invitation that's unique to your circumstances and what you're struggling with and where you find yourself. And I want to invite you to do that now. I'm going to invite the band to come up and they're going to lead us in their closing song. But I'm going to uh, pray and um, give you just a few moments to quiet ourselves, to maybe hear God's invitation in your life. Let's pray. God, we are so busy often trying to fix ourselves and fix each other 
quiet us. Help us be still. Even now, Lord, those things that are on our hearts and our minds that would distract us, that would discourage us, we hand them over to you. Lord, we, we believe that you're calling, that you're able to speak into our lives, that you're able to invite us, that your grace is never-ending. Help us hear that now. And give us courage to follow when you lead, that we might truly live differently and not just put ourselves in tighter and tighter boxes, but that our hearts would change through your Holy Spirit. We're here to hear from you, Lord. In your name. Amen. I'm going to invite you, as we sing this last song, if you'd like to uh, stand and sing it, you can. If you feel you need to just...